When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu. Thank you for joining me today. If you haven't already and you're a fan of movies, TV shows, comic books, that kind of stuff, please know that we have a whole new channel called Impact Theory Studios. If and only if you're a fan of that stuff, head over there right now on YouTube and subscribe. We're going to be dropping new content this Friday. So far, we've been on an every Friday cadence, uh, but it has more to do with when things release uh, than just the day of the week. But all right, today I'm going to be answering all of your questions, and I'm going to ask you guys a question first and foremost. I want to know if you guys have ever had one of your questions answered here in the live. So drop that in just yes or no. Let me know if you've ever had one of your questions answered. Hopefully, if you have a burning question and I've not yet gotten to it, that somehow, someway, you'll be able to convince Chase to pull your question as he is the gatekeeper, but keeping that gate well. All right, we're going to dive right in. Our first question is from Sophia Miharam. And this is at, uh, from YouTube. Hi, Tom. Do you believe one can be successful doing a lot of different work and studying many different topics at once? Or would focusing on one specific area be the most effective strategy to success? All right. The reality is you want to reduce, yes, reduce your options if you want to be successful. They say that 80% of business is knowing what to stay out of. And that really, really is critical. And the example that I always give to people is say you walk into a room with a thousand doors. Your job as an entrepreneur is to shut 999 of them and choose one to walk through. That's where the real magic happens. You've got to be able to pick. There's got to be something that speaks to you more. There's got to be something that you believe in more, that you want to bring to this world, that you enjoy doing, like whatever. That can be monetized and is fun, enjoyable, and meets your mission. Like pick one. You can only do one at a time. You can do everything, just not at the same time. You've got to do them sequentially. So go through that first door, figure out if that really is something that you're going to enjoy, that you want to go deep down, if you want to become the best in the world at that. And if you go through and realize it isn't something that you want to do, no worries. Turn around, go back through the other way, shut that door and open a new one. So you can go in and try it and see if you like it. These are not lifelong commitments walking through that door. But you need to understand that you need to act. You need to create momentum. You've got to get going. You've got to pick a direction and rock it out. So that's the key. Reduce your options. Don't try to keep you know, a million things um, as possibilities. That's the death knell of success. All right. Next question is from Lavin M. Saul. And this comes from Facebook. Hello, please help me. I want to go forward. But my mom and my brothers keep telling me that I'm a loser that I can't do anything and that I'm stupid, what should I do step-by-step step to improve this situation? All right, number one, 
oh, this is tough and I don't know how old you are. If at all possible, if it truly, if people that you love and care about are calling you a loser and they're not just saying, hey, this is gonna be really hard, you're gonna fail, like that is so binary, you need to get out of the house. Now, if you're underage, obviously that becomes infinitely more difficult. So know that if you are 18 or over, my official advice is get the hell out of that household. Being around people that are that toxic, that are actively trying to bring you down is just disastrous. So get out. If, on the other hand, you can't, that's not realistic, you're underage, you're still in high school or something like that, then you're going to really have to learn how to let that roll off your back, to not focus on it, to recognize whatever crazy reason is making them say that. Even if all you have done in your life is fail, 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 only an ass is going to actually say that you're a loser and equate that to a permanent state of being. They're heckling you and that comes from something within themselves. For whatever reason, they wanna see you um, fail and that is always about that person and not about you. So recognizing that and making sure that you're putting in the time, energy, and effort to make sure that you're not taking that stuff to heart, you're not letting it become a part of your identity. And then three, recognize the truth of the human condition, which is that you may not be good at anything now, you may actually be losing. Like everything you're doing, you may actually be losing at every single one of them. But humans have the ability to change. And over time, you're going to be able to pursue a skill set, get good at that, and at some point, hopefully, become so good that you can't be ignored. So understanding the human ability, the intrinsic ability that humans have to adapt and grow. So whenever somebody is trying to paint you with a permanent brush, and look, the word loser, you chose it. The word loser is very specific. You only throw that at somebody if you're trying to hurt them. So they're gonna give you an awesome opportunity to practice and that's number four. You want to practice ignoring things like that. You want to practice people attacking you and you not succumbing to that, you not letting it become part of your identity, um, you not letting it disrupt you emotionally. So you're gonna practice in these moments where they're hurling these insults at you to get really good at not listening to the haters, not letting it become something that's internal to you. And that is absolutely critical. So those are four steps that you wanna do and I'll expand on the one where getting so good they can't ignore you is gonna become the most critical thing here. Now this isn't getting so good that they acknowledge you. They're never going to acknowledge you. If they are such psychopaths that they're hurling insults like that at somebody that they supposedly love, then I have very little hope for them coming around. They are forever going to, I'm guessing, forever going to reject you and say things like that. So don't waste an ounce of energy in trying to convince them. This is about convincing the world. This is about delivering enough value to the world that they respond. And whatever it is you're trying to get good at, whether you're trying to be the world's greatest accountant, whether you're trying to be an athlete, whether you're trying to be a content creator, whatever it is that you're trying to do, I'm talking about the world, getting so good that the world can't ignore you, that they come to your door, that you're helping them in some way that People recognize that. So you're gonna have to shut a door on them. It's what I call the impossible to please father syndrome. Uh, a lot of dads, for whatever reason, employ this strategy. I think it's a horrific strategy that has really long lasting consequences um, because for whatever reason, especially when it's your family, you're gonna wanna please them. Stop, don't do that. You're gonna have to practice not doing that. And if you can not 
find yourself in a position where you just want to please them. Um, if you can do that with family, you'll be able to do it with anybody. And that is an incredibly, incredibly powerful skill. And that comes down to confidence. Confidence comes from competence. So it all comes back to getting good at something. Again, don't worry about them. But you've got to be secure in who you are and what you're about and worry about whether that has influence outside of your family. All right, question from Jay Shreethal Shri. Jay Shreethal Shri. That is hella legit. This is Facebook. How should I get charged up when people around me are more talented than me? Oh my God, in the question is the answer. Man, if people are better than me, then I do two things. One, I welcome that with a level of humility that I can't even begin to tell you because I want to see how I'm inadequate. I want to stare at that and really figure it out. Now, I don't want to stare at it because I want to feel badly about myself. I want to stare at it because when you can do that, then you can begin to identify the skills that you're lacking and you can go out and acquire those skills. But if you're not willing to look at what those skills are that you're actually missing, then you're never going to go out and acquire those. And even when some part of your brain knows that you're lacking those skills, if you don't fully embrace it, you're gonna shut down. The other part of you that doesn't want to recognize that shuts everything down and you don't go on a relentless quest to get those skills. Now, the other thing is I'm going to get super fired up because I don't like being anywhere but first. And so I want to win. Now, I'm not one of those psychopaths that's like, I'll only play games if I know I can win. That's absolutely not true for me. I'm all for getting my ass handed to me because I look at myself on a very long timeline. So I am very willing. If I enjoy something, let's take video games. I am atrocious at video games. But I know that if I'm willing to put in the effort that I can get better. And when I think where I was a couple years ago at the game Destiny, which I care about and have a lot of fun and treat it like it's my version of adult competitive sports, I go in and I'm trying to get better. And I actually think about improving. I don't go in and just play. I'm not just trying to pass the time. Like I'm trying to engage and practice and think about the process of getting better. Now, part of that is entering in knowing, okay, I may lose this, playing people that are better than me. And instead of letting that erode my self-confidence, I'm just trying to look for the opportunities to practice and get better and get charged up. I'm gonna beat this motherfucker. And I focus on that a lot. And that is exciting for me. I love the idea that there are people out there that are better than me at everything that I do. And one by one, systematically, I hunt those motherfuckers down. And I love that. And I, I don't know how to help people embrace that there's joy to be had. In, that. in fact, I know. I know exactly how to do that. And it goes like this. What you build your self-esteem around matters. And if you pride yourself on being the best, you're screwed. It, it, it's just going to be an unending parade of misery because you're always going to be encountering people that are better than you. If, on the other hand, you can flip it around and, and actually build your pride around two things I've already mentioned. One, staring the willingness to stare nakedly at your inadequacy so that you can get better, and then recognizing that you're willing to put in the work to be the learner, to gain the skills over time. If you do those two things, then you can take pride in the process. You can literally get filled with pride, confidence, joy, happiness, fulfillment, just by being willing to pursue it. So, man... That's how I'd get jacked up about that. All right, next question. This is from Charmy Yo. Charmy Yo. This is on YouTube. I'm 23 and will have to get a new job in 10 months. How do I pick something? Should I get a job in one of my passions or should I get one a bit met and build a financial backbone? 
Charmy, are you are you new to the feed? <laughs> uh, I, so I am. I cannot stress enough, especially when you're young. You're in this magical time period where you can still get laid even if you're poor. Because of that, you're not going to start making weird decisions. People start making really weird decisions later in life when they're being judged. And I, look, laid is is a funny way to say that. Right now, when you're young, people aren't judging you for being broke. They're really going to judge you later in life. For sure, you're going to judge yourself. There's going to be things you want to make happen, whether that's just have a family, support, loved ones, whatever the case may be. Every year that goes by, you're going to want money more and more. You're going to want stability more and more because you're going to have more and more responsibilities that you take on as a part of the maturing process. And look, it doesn't have to be that way, but that is certainly the typical way that people live their lives. So while you're young, embrace that it is very okay to be poor. And in that time, make the demand that you earn a living doing something that you're deeply passionate about. That or to build that passion, to go experience a bunch of different things and really go through the process of building that. Take a job that you think might be interesting and know, hey, I might have to jettison this because it doesn't end up being the thing that I actually care about and I'm not gonna build a passion around that thing. But doing that now, starting to make those demands now is absolutely critical. And I get it, like having six months in the bank is really, really important. But I would even take a job I would definitely be willing to give my time away. So let's start with that. I think that's actually the surest way to make money in the long run is to give away your services in the beginning in exchange for knowledge and connections. Just no smarter way to build a career than that. And then two, make sure that you're doing something that you care about or think that you may care about so that you can really figure that out so that over the course of your career that you're headed down a path that you really care about. Um, so yeah, the six-month thing, I get it, super powerful. But in the beginning, that would be a secondary focus to me over getting the knowledge and connections because even if I don't have a lot of money coming in, I can whittle my expenses down to virtually nothing. Living on somebody else's couch, uh, staying at my parents' house, uh, renting a basement, like whatever you need to do, do that because man, finding something that you really, really care about and building a career around that will serve you for decades to come. All right, next question is from Jamie Sandis. This is on Facebook. When it comes to reading, I tend to feel like my time investment needs to be rewarded with gaining knowledge or new insight. This leads me to choosing to read biographical self-development books rather than fiction. How do you get value out of playing video games or reading fiction? Well, welcome to my nightmare, my friend. So first of all, I read one fiction book a year for the exact reason that you just enumerated. So I... I have an internal sense that I'll get more out of reading nonfiction than I will fiction. And that, that is, by the way, served me incredibly, incredibly well. So I don't think you're doing something bad there. Um, the other thing is, for about 15 years, I didn't really play video games. I played maybe an hour a week. Um, I didn't read fiction except on vacation, but that pretty much holds true. I didn't watch a lot of movies. I didn't watch TV. Um, because I was building the base of knowledge and um, career uh, expertise, for lack of a better word, to ultimately get where I wanted to go. I don't regret that at all. Um, working around the clock for you know 15 years was, it served me very, very well. Now, I still work a lot, but one, it's something that I'm entirely passionate about, so I have that, so I have the energy it pulls me through. I'm excited to do it. It gives me more energy than it takes. And then two, now I, make, I do make time for one, priority number one, my relationship. That is my biggest um, like indulgence, 
in that it's not necessarily moving me forward in life. My wife actually happens to make me a better person. So that is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But if I didn't have her, I would probably still allocate that time to something fun at this point in my life um, that wasn't um, just, you know, reading, improving and all of that. So what I do is I allocate a certain amount of time on the weekends to work, and then I allocate a certain amount of time on the weekends to just absolute fun, whether this moves me forward or not. Also, I have a strategy when it comes to work on the weekends, with rare exception, there are times where I end up having to do a contract or something, but with rare exceptions on the weekend, while I'm doing work, I'm only doing the things that I really enjoy. So um, answering comments, maybe a piece of content that I really care about and I really wanna see get off the ground. Um, now, by the way, and this is to answer your question about video games, movies, reading books, like you could find way to put that at the center of your economic universe. So for me now, the reason that I'm playing, uh, or sorry, that I'm watching more TV and movies is because that's a huge part of where we're going with the studio. So I actually need to be abreast of that stuff. Now that wasn't a mistake. That wasn't an accident. That was something that I did very much on purpose. That was me saying, what do I like spending my time on and how can I put that at the core of my universe? Um, so doing that. Now I'm still very careful about how much time I allocate to that stuff. Um, and I do that primarily on the weekends and I do it with my wife so that we're watching shows that we can enjoy together. So finding a way to combine things. Okay, next question. This is from Mitchell Sawin Facebook. How do you overcome the financial roadblock? I have great ideas and drive, but they all really depend on money I don't have. So um, I'll just interpret that as how do you overcome financial roadblocks in general? And really, it's uh, this is so hard to answer without knowing where you're at in your life. Uh, if you're young, harken back to what I was just saying a few minutes ago, which is I wouldn't worry about money at all. Um, I would just be trying to get knowledge and experience. So knowledge and experience and really knowing how to do something and being able to execute against it is how I overcame not having a lot of money. So getting so good they can't ignore you. When you really know what you're doing and you can really add value to people's lives, they're gonna pay you for that. So I'm sure there are things you wanna build in your life that are gonna require money. You're gonna to have to work to generate that money or go convince somebody with money to partner with you that you're gonna do all the hard work and all they have to do is supply the capital. That's a very traditional road to success where you get other people to invest in you. That comes down to how good are you? If you're really good, at that thing that you're trying to get people to invest in you and it can actually be turned into real money for the investor, then you can get money relatively easily. Though the time that it's hard to get money is when you don't have any connections, you've got no track record, and quite frankly, you're not so good that you can't be ignored. So take Lucky, what was his name, Lucky Palmer? Who's the guy that did um, Oculus? The kid was like 19. So young, it was like ridiculous, but he made something that people really wanted and he sold for just an astronomical amount of money. So it doesn't necessarily come down to having a ton of cash to throw at something. It really comes down to how good are you and if you can convince people to join you. So right now, there are billions of dollars in capital where people are like, I have this money, but I don't have an incredible human being. In fact, I will just tell you right now, and I know that this is gonna invite a world of hurt, but this is so fucking true. I have millions of dollars I would love to invest, but I can't find the people to invest in. Not the ideas. Ideas are cheap. I can't find the people to invest in. So become one of those people. Become one of those people where I'm just like, I want to throw my money at you. And then there are going to be thousands of people like me that will line up. They've got the capital, but they don't have the time or the knowledge in a given area to execute. And they need somebody who is an undeniable force of nature. Undeniable is the key word there. And hey, while we're here, let's talk about what it means to be a force of nature. 
I find so many people, it is so easy to stop them with a simple rejection that they either double down on stalking instead of going out and just getting good or they just quit. But what you should do is go, okay, I'm not undeniable yet. I'm gonna redouble my efforts. I'm gonna focus on this thing that I'm trying to build, that I'm gonna show people. I'm gonna get traction. I'm gonna go door to door if I have to and build this thing up. Go watch our episode with um, John Paul DeJoria, the founder of Patron Tequila and Paul Mitchell. Door to door, door to door for years selling his product out of a trunk and the man has since built two multi-billion dollar businesses, okay? So that's how it's done. You go out, you do whatever the hell it takes to create an amazing product and then whatever it takes to sell that product. So there are ways, man. Don't, don't make excuses and don't accept excuses from yourself. All right. Oh, wow. This, is, uh, this has got a lot of like lines and dashes and swooshes above it. Lazar Urosevich. I'm going to guess that's relatively close. YouTube, what do you think about circadian rhythm and how it affects on our health? Okay, I know very little about it, but I will say that it seems really real. And I bet that this plays heavily into anyone's ability to optimize their health uh, from, God, I was just watching a video about this today and this came up and he listed from uh, metabolic response. I know that people that um, skip a night's sleep uh, their blood tests look like the blood tests of a diabetic. Um, oh, God. A growth hormone, I'm sure, is dramatically affected. So, yeah, there are better people to answer this question than I. I'm sure the way that I'm answering this makes that patently obvious. Uh, but I think that it's, it's very important. So pay attention to it. Yeah, and there's also this thing called chronotype, where what type of sleeper are you? Are you? Do you prefer to stay up late? Do you prefer to get up early? All of that good stuff. So look into all that. But I'm, it matters. All right, this one is from Joel Allegrio. This is from Facebook. What advice would you give to an entrepreneur in a third world country with a poverty so extreme, no internet connection and so on, how to level up a business when the population of the areas has very low purchasing power or buying capacity? Okay, so I have no experience in this whatsoever, but I'll take a stab at it just knowing what I know about human nature. So if I'm growing up in that kind of environment, I'm gonna find the person that's had a level of success, the kind of success that I wanna have, and I'm gonna go and donate my time. Um, this is brutally hard when you don't have access to books, so the only thing that you really have to throw at them is insane amounts of hard work. So I would go to as many people as I could find and I would give them the following spiel. I'm gonna work for you for free, for, man. Normally I say 90 days, but you may have to do it for longer to really overcome something like this. And you say, I'm gonna work harder than anybody else you've ever met and I am doing that in exchange for knowledge and connections. As long as you're helping me grow and get better, I will come here and absolutely crush it for you and deliver whatever I need to deliver, do whatever I need to do, anything you ask me within my code of ethics, I will do to help you out. If you make that offer to 100 people, 200, someone is going to take you up on that. But you've got to be willing to face your fears of going up to them, making that proposal, knowing that you're going to get rejected over and over and over and over and over, that even the people who don't reject you, you're going to have to go to them many, many times. You're going to have to find a way to deliver value on the way in, show them how hard you're willing to work. Man, 
wash their car, like whatever, do something to get their attention, do something to show them that you're going to be worth their time and effort. But that is absolutely what I would do that or man, if you can emigrate uh, and get somewhere where at least you have access to the internet, that would be amazing. Uh, but that's what I would do. In fact, how'd you write in on Facebook if you don't have the internet? Uh, so already you're showing a level of ingenuity. So keep doing that, whatever it is that's allowed you to um, get to me here. Yeah. You're already showing ingenuity. Keep pushing that. Okay, question from Eric Lanou. This is on Facebook. What is your process to get into ketosis? Don't move off this one because it's multi-parted. Uh, do you fast to jump into ketosis? And what are your thoughts on exogenous ketones? Thank you for all the amazing content. It's amazing. Thank you, man. Okay, so here's my process for getting into ketosis. Usually, I do it through dietary means first. And then once I'm in ketosis, then I start really restricting my calories. So my process goes like this. I'm going to eat a high-fat diet, low protein, no carbohydrate. I will have some vegetables, but it's relatively limited. Um, I am going to test my blood so I know exactly where I'm at. So I use a precision extra and I use uh, the strips, the blood strips, not urine. And what I'm going to do is, uh, one, my calories are going to be somewhat naturally restricted. In fact, I'll just walk you through my exact meals. Um, so when I wake up, I work out fasted. I don't eat usually till about 8, 8.30. If I'm going ketosis, I might push it a little bit to say 9. So that's a good 13 hours 14 hours from my previous meal, which would have been the night before. Um, and I'm going to eat usually um, just a Quest Keto Cups. So it's about 250 calories and it's a two to one ratio. So for those that don't know the ratios, two to one means for every combined gram of protein and carbohydrate, I'm gonna eat two grams of fat. So if I ate one gram of protein, one gram of carb, I'm gonna eat four grams of fat. Um, so that has a two to one ratio. That's my first meal. My next meal is a, um, it's eight ounces of burger. So it's probably 70, 30. I get it from fat burger. So I don't even know the official ratio, but I'm going to guess that it's around 70 to 30, no bun, no sauce other than mustard, um, because there's no, um, calories and there's no carbohydrates or anything in that. So it is literally, uh, the meat, cheese and lettuce and pickle. And I eat half of that, so it's eight ounces. And then my next meal, again, is uh, two um, keto cups, so again, two to one. And then my final meal is, again, the um, second half of that burger that I had earlier. So that's all I'm gonna eat that day, and I'm gonna be testing my blood. Now, once I get into ketosis, which is 0.5 uh, millimoles of ketones present in my bloodstream um, or higher, then I'm gonna start leaving out my first meal. So normally my first meal, like I said, is around eight or 9 a.m. Now I'm gonna push it and eat my first meal around 11.30, 12 o'clock. That's gonna be around the 16 hour window for me, depending on when I ate my last meal the night before. So I'm doing now what they call intermittent fasting, where I'm doing a 16-8 split, meaning 16 hours of fast, eat all my calories in an eight hour window. Um, and then I have the exact meals that I just talked to you about, but I drop out one of the um, keto cups. So I'm shaving about 250 calories off my total meals for the day, but maybe even more importantly, I've just pushed back uh, or extended the duration of fasting, which means I'm going deeper into ketosis. Um, I usually end up somewhere around 1.5 um, 
millimoles of ketones in my bloodstream fasted. Um, and, and I, so I'll, I stay in that state for about, um, five days. So I start on Monday, I'm ketogenic all throughout the weekend, which means I'm eating at least a two to one ratio. And then on Monday, I start restricting my calories, which I don't do on the weekends, which is when I really get into ketosis, I start doing intermittent fasting. And then on Saturday, I take my calories back up again, even though I stay um, ketogenic in ratio, but my calories go so high that I drop out of ketosis. There you have it. Um, okay, do I fast to jump? Yeah, you just heard my whole thing. Exogenous ketones. I don't fuck with them. Some people do. Um, there's a lot of really interesting um, content out there about exogenous ketones that it may have benefits on things even like uh, neurodegenerative disease. I'm not an expert on that, but it's pretty fascinating, and we were looking at that pretty heavily at Quest, so um, I know enough to be dangerous, um, but not enough that I take them myself. So there you have it. All right, question is from Diaz9, YouTube. Hey, Tom, once impact theory has grown huge as blank, uh, will you still do these AMAs? So I'm a big, big believer in do what got you here. So we're building the community with the AMAs. I will do the AMAs as long as there's interest in them. Um, So absolutely. All right, next question is from Matthew Grant. This is on YouTube. My entire life I've done jobs I hate. I'm at a point now where I'm 32 years old and not getting any younger and I'm sick of wasting my life. Oh, Matthew, you're my kind of person. Um, How do I figure out what I'm supposed to do? Okay, I love this question. All right, first of all, the most amazing things in my life have come from getting so bitterly disappointed with myself with where I'm at in life, that I finally have the rage that I need to take action. So, dude, I'm stoked for you. You're rapidly approaching rock bottom, and that's going to serve you very, very well. I want you to fan those flames. I want you to get pissed about where you are at 32, that you're not at all where you thought you were going to be, that you've only been doing jobs that you hate. Dude, fan those fucking flames, and I want you to get really sick of having wasted your life. Now, now that we're in that position, what you're going to do, you're not going to figure out what you're supposed to do by looking inward and hoping that there's something that you just haven't uncovered. You're gonna go experience a lot of stuff. If you know what jobs you hate, what jobs do you love? What is your ideal fantasy job? Who's living your ideal life? Like identify that stuff and then go interact with that and see if you actually like it. That could be donating your times nights and weekends because I'm, Hey, I get it. At 32, you got to make ends meet. I totally understand that. Now, by the way, if you don't have kids, you're not married, and you can cut your expenses back to the quick, I would do that first and foremost. Cut my expenses back to the quick. I would save up money so that I've got six months so I can really go and counter stuff. It will be very easy for you to get back into a job that you hate and just make money, so don't waste any time panicking about that. And then if you don't already know, you're gonna take that time to really experiment with a whole lot of stuff to find out what you have an interest for, dive deep in it, and see if that turns into a fascination. If it turns into a fascination, that's something that you're gonna to wanna to start gaining mastery and you're not gonna have the time to actually become a master in it. So you're gonna to have to get a job while it's in that period of fascination and hope that you're betting right. But if you don't, don't be afraid to change stream. But that process is very simple. What are you interested in? Engage with it, see if it turns into a fascination. If it really does turn into a fascination, then gain mastery. Try to become the greatest in the world at that thing. And you are not too old, which I'm sure is exactly what's on your mind. Very much not. You can do anything you set your mind to at any age. So get after it. All right, next up, Sim Land. Sim Land, my motherfucker from Estonia coming here to spend some time with the crew. We're super excited. The winner 
of the Refer a Friend contest. All right, this is on Facebook. Tom, I've recently started my own podcast. Word up. Any tips for probing into the mindset and picking the brains of your guests? How do you get them to open up and enter into deep rabbit holes of ingenious ramblings? Okay, it goes like this. You need to know a lot, a lot, a lot about them. So you need to do a gaggle of research. They need to be a little bit startled by how much you know about them. Then, before the interview even begins, you're gonna tell them, I'm not a journalist. I'm here because you've, you're here because you've inspired me and I wanna give you a chance to inspire my audience. I have no interest in asking you like hard curveball questions. This is legitimately, I wanna give you a chance to shine. I wanna give you a chance to inspire my audience and that helps them lower their defenses. Then from there, during the interview, um, I'm always trying to ask questions I am legitimately fascinated by, one that helps me manage my anxiety. So when I tap into, like every, every time, no matter how many of these fucking episodes I've done, I get anxious leading up to it. Like, am I gonna be able to find the interview? Like, you know, there's all these cameras, there's like 20 people here when we film this stuff. So my anxiety's going up. The moment my anxiety drops to zero, is the moment that I find something about that person that legitimately fascinates me, where I just want to know. I wanna know, I think it's gonna empower me and I think it's going to empower the audience. That is so huge. Like when I'm like, oh my God, if I can get them to talk about this, this vein, this thing that they're really good at, that they have some unique insight that I've found really empowering and I know that the audience is gonna love it, dude, I'm so into that. So find that way to do that. And then they're gonna feel that. They're gonna feel your sincere like appreciation for who they are because you come in so knowledgeable about what they know and what they do. And then as you go in the interview, as they start giving answers, you're gonna know where they're going. So my whole thing is to get them out of their loop. So they're so used to giving the same answers. Like, in fact, oh God, Guys, if you're thinking about asking me to come on your podcast, do me the fucking favor of not asking me the same questions that everyone else asks me because it gets really fucking boring. And my heart has been hardening a little. Confession time. My heart has been hardening. I've been brought onto so many podcasts and it's clear they've never listened to another podcast that I've done. And so they ask me the same fucking questions and that drives me crazy. It's just boring. It's boring and my brain turns off. So I remember after doing the 24 hour live, I had two, uh, no, I had one podcast and then I had to record something for us. So I'd already been up for like, I don't know, 30 plus hours. And then I was being interviewed again. And I literally felt like a dolphin. So a dolphin, half of their brain turns off at a time so they can sleep, so one hem hemisphere at a time. And because the questions I was being asked were the same questions I'm always asked, I felt just like that, where I would be in the middle of answering a question and be like, oh my God, I'm still talking. Because I've given that answer so many times, so many times, so many times that it's dull for me. So that's bad for their audience. YouTube exists. They can go see all the other interviews that I've done. So take your people somewhere fresh. All right, next question. This is from Amanda Kofi. Okay, I need some guidance. I've always reacted badly when someone ignores me, makes me feel stupid, or acts like my feelings do not matter. It's so very instant, I'm filled with pure anger that I want to start to cry or hide. What are the best ways to handle? Okay, so first, let's acknowledge. That is so amazingly self-aware of you. The very fact that you're asking this question, the very fact that you can break down your emotional response, I know that you're gonna be successful at this. So here's what you're gonna do. 
you're gonna take total ownership for that. It has nothing to do with the other person. Once you understand that this is not about them, this isn't about whether they're ignoring you or not, this is about you. You don't believe in yourself. You don't have a sense of self-worth internal, which you're gonna get. I, I so believe that. You're going to get it, but first you're gonna to have to allow yourself to believe that you are worthy. And it doesn't have to be you are worthy because you have some amazing skill or that you've done something amazing in your life. It is you are worthy because the human is the ultimate adaptation machine and that you're gonna grow and you're gonna blow yourself away in this process. So your goal now is to shorten the timeline where you're feeling that anger, that rage, that desire to go cry and hide. You're going to recognize all the, um, the proprioceptive feedback loops that the human body has. So when you feel this way, if you have to excuse yourself, excuse yourself. It doesn't matter. That person, that one interaction is totally fucking irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. You need to get to the point where you can very rapidly get yourself out of that neurochemical state, which is exactly what it is. Neurons that fire together, wire together. You've had years and years and years of feeling neglected by people, not having an internal self-worth that's strong enough to go, it doesn't matter if they ignore me or not. So you, those neurons are wired together. So when you perceive that someone is ignoring you, and by the way, you're almost certainly wrong about that, but when you perceive that someone is ignoring you, it fucking triggers all of that hardwiring that you have. So you're gonna have to undo that by creating a new habit loop. And the great news is, Every habit loop needs a trigger, and you already have that trigger, which is the desire to curl it up into uh, the fetal position and cry. So we know what the trigger is going to be. So when you feel that, you're going to trigger a habit loop of reaffirming in yourself that it doesn't matter whether this person ignores you, that you've got to have the centeredness and self-confidence in you without any need for any external um feedback from people so they can ignore you all that you want and then to run through the mechanisms to get yourself out of that neurochemical state. The easiest one for me is to laugh out loud and that's why I said you may want to excuse yourself from that person uh, so you can go laugh out loud but I'm deadly serious. Go laugh out loud. Like go force yourself to laugh out loud for 30 seconds. You will be startled by how rapidly that changes your neurochemistry. So you're gonna do that. And at first, you're still gonna be pissed and it's gonna be super awkward and you're gonna feel really weird laughing out loud. And the first couple of times, you're not gonna to wanna to excuse yourself and it's gonna be this whole thing. And then later, you're gonna be annoyed with yourself because you stayed in that really hurt feeling for so long. You may have lashed back out at them. All things which are counterproductive, which is why you asked the question in the first place. And then you're gonna start taking the steps to actually do that. But if you start forcing yourself to do the things, stand up straighter, smile, laugh out loud, Remind yourself, it doesn't matter what they think. And by the way, there's a saying called the deep limbic system. The deep limbic system colors with emotion all of the things you're going through. You're gonna read about the deep limbic system so that you understand what it's doing and how to combat it. Uh, but the things that I just gave you are the ways you're gonna combat it. All right, and then there's Daniel, Dr. Daniel Amen's concept of automatic negative thoughts, ants. You're gonna learn to squish those, not let them intrude in your mind. Uh, and then you're going to take that reaction time from very long and deeply distressing to you as a human trying to improve, and you're going to shorten it down to nothing. And in that process, you're going to go from having to just tell yourself that you have self-worth to actually feeling it and believing it because you're gonna see how you progress through that to where that gets down to where it doesn't even register on your face, which ultimately is the goal. Okay. Uh, this one's from Stacy Lee via YouTube. How do you write content even when it's the very last thing you want to do? Goggins, of course, comes to mind, but when my brain is saying no, how do you draw inspiration to continue working writing? Okay, I don't draw inspiration. So what I do when it's something that I don't want to do, it's all about identity for me. It's about identity and about having a compelling future. So my identity is that I do and believe that which moves me towards my goals, period. 
So if doing this thing that I don't want to do moves me towards my goals, then that's what I'm going to do, plain and simple. And if it moves me away from my goals to not do it, then I'm definitely not going to do that. So you really want to focus on that. And having that compelling future, something that's exciting for you, something that's going to pull you through is absolutely critical. And I think is rapidly becoming one of the most neglected parts in the world of like, what should my passion be? Where should I be going? What should I be doing with my life? It should be something that excites you. It should be something that excites you. So keep in mind, David Goggins had a compelling future. He had believed growing up that he was the weakest man that God ever created. His compelling future was becoming the toughest man alive. So that excited him. That gave him the drive to keep going. So you need that. It's not just about going out and watching inspirational videos. Look, I love him as much as the next person. But at the end of the day, I'm really trying to remember what I'm trying to accomplish, what my identity is, and then tapping into that thing that excites me. All right. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, 
Today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Next question. Falasakini? Falasakini, that's close. Uh, Takafa, man. Uh, This is on Facebook. What do you do in the early days? What did you do in the early days of your career to separate yourself from others as a motivational speaker uh, specifically? So... Those are two very different questions. In the early days of my career to separate myself from everybody, I outworked everyone, like to an embarrassing degree. And that's just how I made a name for myself. I realized that I couldn't always have the right answer, so I was gonna put energy behind other people's right answer um, and give them full credit for it, but then really help push that forward. I was going to work essentially around the clock and just always, always, always try to be learning faster than everybody else, try to come in the next day better than I was the day before, and that will create resentment, which it certainly did in my life, but it ended up paying off in spades because at the end of the day, people, A players wanna be with A players, and if you can crush it, dude, people are going to keep inviting you to be a part of bigger and bigger things. All right, what I did as a motivational speaker to separate myself was honestly build a billion dollar business. So that was it. And for my entire life until recently, I didn't even think about that. Like that wasn't what I was trying to do. I was trying to build a business. I was trying to get into film. Like those were the things that I was trying to do. And I was trying to become extraordinarily good at those things. And I didn't give a single speech, I think, from the time not like official, I, okay, that's a lie. As an entrepreneur to my company, I was giving them all the time. Um, but I didn't do like official inspirational speaking for ever since like high school. So it was just about really doubling down and getting good at business. That was the thing. And then you go give the talk saying, hey, I've done this. You carry a lot of credibility. And, um, and then you have to get good at speaking. So it, it's not to contradict myself, but I wasn't doing official speaking, but I was constantly in a position where I was speaking. So either trying to convince somebody to buy my product or um, talking to my employees. It was day after day after day after day after day of practicing that. So um, get really good and be backed up by something. All right, question from Stephen Gobril, YouTube. Tom, how do you deal with opinions when entering into the professional work world? How do I deal with opinions? I think that hard work is a part of life, but my colleagues complain a lot. How do you address this respectfully? Okay, so I don't quite understand the first one, so I'm just gonna move on. The first question, I'm gonna move on to the second one. Um, I think that hard work is a part of life, but my colleagues complain a lot. How do you address that respectfully? Um, So lead by example. So I don't address it. I don't tell people, hey, don't be negative. What I tell people is, 
um, hey, we've got this project. We really need to get it done. Here's what I think that we can do when they're like, oh man, we're never going to do this. I'm like, hey, I totally get that. Odds are stacked against us, but here's how I look at it. Here's how I think that we can do it. And I, I think that if we keep a solution-oriented mindset, we're really going to crush this. Um, and then just by way of full disclosure, now being the CEO, um, you can really get away with straight telling people don't fucking bring negativity here. So I, I felt a little bit like I was not being honest because uh, I do call people out all the fucking time on that. Now, I didn't at the beginning of my career. I did not have the clout. And so I was just always trying to throw out answers, solutions. How could we do this? What was the way that we could look at it where it could be done? And if you're optimistic, if you're bringing solutions, like first of all, that's the only way things are ever gonna get done, and then bringing energy, bringing optimism, bringing enthusiasm, being excitable is contagious, and people want to be around that. So even if it's not your natural state, which by the way, I am a very excitable person, but I'm also wildly introverted, so I've had to find a way to bring those two things together so that I could leverage my excitability in moments where even though I wanted to be introverted, I would leverage that internal excitement, externalize it, force myself to try and infect the room with it, and then people want to be around you. So lead by example, always be solution oriented, and everybody's going to follow or they're going to get the fuck out of the way. All right. Question is from Siath Ranathung. Uh, YouTube. Hi, I'm going through a phase where I've achieved a lot in the line of work I'm doing. People tell me they get inspired by the work I do because of the positive feedback. I'm getting overconfident because my subconscious knows I'm successful faster than I ever expected. How can I stay focused without letting compliments get in the way of long-term success? All right, this is another one where the fact that you're Asking the question gives me a lot of encouragement that you're going to be able to solve the problem as a just a high degree of self-awareness. Um, so being focused on the fact that, in fact, here, here it is. You need to be able to hold two competing ideas in your head. So the confidence is awesome, and the confidence is going to serve you well. And succeeding faster than you ever expected, you should be telling yourself that story. I worked my ass off. I got so good, people couldn't ignore me. And I did it faster than I thought I was going to be able to do. And you're going to want to praise internally the process don't reward yourself emotionally for being smart or gifted or talented, anything like that. It is you put in the hard work, you got good at something, and that is being recognized and well done for that. On the other hand, you need to know that the only thing that's going to serve you long term is the deep humility. That if you don't stay hungry to learn, if you're not showing up every day to get better, if you can't recognize that while you may be the best person in your group, you're for sure not the best in the world because I never heard of you. So if you're going to become the best in the world, you have to have a deep humility. And man, if you want some deep humility, go fucking check YouTube. Whatever it is that you do, there's somebody right now that has like 14 million subs that you've never fucking heard of, and they're in your space. This happens to me every day. So have the deep humility to know that you've got to get a lot better if you want to get a lot bigger. So get better. Focus on that. Know that whatever you've accomplished, there is just a massive world of opportunity ahead of you um, and that you've only just begun to crush it. So focus on that. All right. Kanjit Sefu, Facebook. Hello, I recently separated with my husband of five years. Intense, I feel for you. My husband cheated on me, damn, and used to call me fat, unattractive. Good Lord, the hits just keep on coming. I feel free now, but have regrets thinking, how could I let him do that to me for so long? How can I get past the grudges and anger to get to my destiny? All right, so um, this is a day of just amazing self-awareness. So first of all, what you've gone through really sucks. 
It's just objectively, it's super shitty, right? Okay, so now that we can recognize that, now you have to ask yourself, does wallowing that in any way, shape, or form serve you? And the answer is no. So you've been victimized for shways, but you have to own that. You let that happen. You acknowledge that in the question. So you know that you let that happen, but beating yourself up would be as big of a waste of time as continuing to be pissed off by that person. So um, just from being purely effective standpoint, optimism, enthusiasm, excitement, these are the things that are gonna get you moving forward. Those are gonna be the things you're gonna have to rely on when things get hard, when they get boring. You're gonna have to be amped up and to obsessively think about the negative things, the things that went wrong. Why did they treat me like this? That doesn't help you. It keeps you in this negative loop where you're not getting empowered. You're not getting more confident. You're not gonna radiate anything that anyone wants to be around. You're not gonna be able to do much by yourself. You're gonna need to build a community around you no matter what, even if you just wanna be a linchpin employee. Like at the end of the day, like you've gotta get people excited to be around you if you want to execute effectively, if you want to be a great parent, like the first thing you should be radiating is warmth. Your kids should want to be around you. They should literally warm their hands on the fire that you cannot stop from emanating from within you, which is joy, love, beauty, right? Now, look, I'm a rage and beauty guy. So 20% of my time, I am going to look at that. I am going to be pissed off with myself for having let that happen, but only so that I can invest harder into the beautiful things where I spend 80% of my time, only to make sure that I never let something like that happen again. Okay, so it is very, very careful, that balance. So to put a really fine point on it, the only way to get past this stuff is to let it go. And the only way I think to let it go is to say, I'm gonna do and believe that which moves me towards my goals. You need to know what your goal is, but I'm gonna guess that your goal is not served by you feeling badly about yourself, nor is it served by you being angry towards somebody else. So that's how I do that. All right, question from Tyler Wall, YouTube. Longtime impactor, third time caller. Thank you, sir. Uh, what are your methods for setting boundaries in relationships when you're working on personal projects? Um, so I tend to be aggressive in my boundary setting. I know full well that people will treat you exactly the way you let them treat you. So if you develop the very caring, compassionate, albeit somewhat brash, um, rogue agent, you'll be surprised how you're able to um, create those boundaries. And a key part of that, so you, the reason that boundaries are hard to create is you actually care about the people that are trying to intrude on the boundaries. You may care about them because they're a work colleague and you may need them for other things. You may care about them because they're a loved one. Um, either way, if you show up for them in their times of need, if you help them, um, then it's going to be very easy for you to draw that line and say, hey, look, when, when you need something, I'm there for you, but now I need something, and so either I need you there for me, or I just, I don't have the time to give you. And to be able to draw that line in the sand and not feel badly about yourself, which comes down to what's your code of ethics, and I believe that people should take care of themselves first. So you need to know that it is not only okay, it's critical to take care of yourself. It's critical to have selfish time. It's critical to be protective of your own world. This is your life to live. You only get one shot. So really being protective of that is absolutely critical to you achieving your goals. And since you know, I believe and think you should too, do and believe that which moves you towards your goals. So those, those are the critical elements, man. So I would be loving and aggressive about setting your boundaries. All right, Christoph Jelinski, Facebook, Tom, I want to build a magic show that focuses on empowerment, nice, and has the same impact as a keynote. How do you create a keynote? 
Okay, so know thy audience. That's step one with the keynote. So what is it that you want to impart to them that is just hard-won knowledge, something that, man, has really served you well? You'll know, you know that if they adopt, that it will serve them well as well. So it is about value creation. So I really stop and think about who is my audience, what do they know, what do they want to know, and what, if they learned, would really empower them to be successful in the way that they want to be successful. So that's, and then I just work backwards from that. And then I try to be as clear and action oriented as possible. I try never to do mindset only. I try to always do a mix of mindset and actionable items. I think that while inspiration is awesome, people need to know what they can go and do. And so even if that's the how-to of building the mindset, it's still ultimately a how-to. Um, so I would focus on that. And then the magic becomes basically a way to um, entertain, to grab their attention, but at the end of the day, it needs to be a how-to um, manual, essentially. All right, question from William J. Moore. How do you handle emotionally being alone in the world as an entrepreneur from people you're supposed to care about, like your wife, when you are mentally driven differently? I may need more information. Uh, how do you handle emotionally being alone in the world? Um, I'm probably not the right person to answer this question. So I have uh, a partner in my wife where I feel anything but alone in the world. And before I met her, I was so focused on doing what I wanted to do that I didn't, I didn't even think I was going to get married. When I met my wife, I literally had an active stance that I was never going to get married. Um, so yeah. Basically, let me just answer this in a relationship context. So if you're in a relationship with somebody and you guys don't share a value system, that's deeply problematic. You need to have that conversation. You need to identify like what are each of your values and whether or not it's an okay difference in value or if you need to get on the same page and if you need to get on the same page and you can't, then do you go your opposite directions? Now, obviously, I don't know if you have kids, which can complicate things. Uh, but if I were in a relationship with somebody that didn't have a growth mindset, for instance, that didn't understand my ambition, which is the one thing my wife knows, she can ask me to give up anything other than my ambition. That's just a fundamental part of who I am. So if I were in a situation where someone were heckling me, making me feel bad, they didn't want me to be ambitious, that's not a, a tenable situation. So if I cared enough about them that I really wanted to try to make it work, I would outline my values. We would either get on the same page or we would part ways. That's the truth. Okay, question from Dan Bro. What is up, homie? This is Facebook. What are your thoughts on Nelson Mandela? Oh, man. And his books since reading it. Uh, my mom is from South Africa. You actually got me to say mom. Uh, it's from South Africa and grew up in apartheid. Whoa, man, that's interesting. Okay, so I'm now a devotee of Nelson Mandela. I am absolutely blown away and captivated by that man and by what he accomplished. It is absolutely mind-blowing. He's one of the most astonishing examples of somebody that had a long-term view that never gave up, that never gave up. Think about that for a second. The man went to prison for 27 years, 27 years. On the day he got out, he just continued the struggle. So the very thing that got him in prison, and by the way, when it was like looking like he was gonna get out and he was starting to sort of go out on furloughs to meet with leaders even before he got out of prison, he was telling people, by the way, if we don't 
elect a new government that is governed by the people, have a new constitution where it's one person, one vote, I'm going to get thrown in jail for the same thing that I was doing before. So it, like, who does that? 27 years in prison and he's telling people while he's still in prison, the people that have the power to get him out, if you don't change, I'm just going to start blowing shit up again. Literally crazy. Absolutely amazing to me that he could have that kind of stalwart, like, holding on to his convictions and see it through to the end. So yeah, I'm totally blown away. That's the kind of human being I want to be. Uh, And his book, Long Walk to Freedom, is just absolutely amazing. Um, I'd be so curious to talk to your mom about what it was like during that transition as apartheid was going out. Just amazing. One of the most interesting times in in recent human history. Just incredible, incredible, beyond measure. All right, uh, it's gonna have to be the last one. Question from Harvey Bandall, Facebook. Do you think a lot of people are infatuated with success? In other words, they disregard the negatives and upon the first sign of failure, they resent themselves. It's just like a relationship where you think nothing is wrong with the other individual. Uh, What's your thoughts on this? Um, I do think people are infatuated with success. I think people are really in love with the, the notion of what it means in their mind to be successful. I think success as I define it is worthy of that obsession, that infatuation. I think that that makes all the sense in the world. I think that you have to understand what's important to you in your life and make sure that you're getting all of those things. So for instance, if you wanna be the best parent ever, what does success look like? It looks very different than as I would define success. For me, success is all around the acquisition of skills. And to me, that's just, it's amazing in and of itself. Now, if by success you mean money and you mean money pure and simple, um, then that's a really dangerous game only because it will lead to emotional dissatisfaction because people usually don't actually understand money. Um, money is inert. It doesn't do anything in and of itself. It facilitates though. And if you have a dream that requires money, that dream can actually be manifested through money. I would not be able to do impact theory like this um, if I didn't have the capital. That's just true. And I'm very, very, very aware of that. So I'm very grateful that I've had financial success in my life. But as somebody who spent almost a decade chasing money only to come up emotionally bankrupt, like I fully understand how that is ultimately a waste of time if you're wired like I am. For somebody that just like Warren Buffett, looking at Warren Buffett, he seems to love money as a scorekeeper. So respect, like if that's your thing and it really gets you up and he also seems like he's a pretty good dude, so I'm not conflicted, like he's doing now amazing things with the capital that he's generated. He's created a lot of jobs for a lot of people. So I've got no hate for what he's doing, even though it does seem like truly money in and of itself is something he finds very fascinating in a way that I don't. Um, So yeah, those are my thoughts. Thank you guys all so much for the questions. I am always honored by them coming in. Uh, If you haven't already, by the way, be sure to subscribe here. If you're on Facebook and haven't subscribed to YouTube, if you're on YouTube and haven't subscribed to Facebook, make sure you do that. And then my most recent passion project, and this is the core of everything that we're gonna be doing in the future. If you're a fan of movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, all of that stuff, we've created a new channel called Impact Theory Studios on YouTube. Go right now, Impact Theory Studios on YouTube and subscribe. We're releasing content every week. We're gonna be ratcheting it up and releasing more and more content. So go check it out, but only if you're a fan of movies, TV shows, books, comic books, that kind of stuff. Don't go just because you enjoy the content that I put out on my Tom Bilyeu channel. It's gonna be very, very different content. But if you're a fan of that stuff, go right now. All right, guys, like I said, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. 
Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.